on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We discuss some of the biggest questions we still have for OU's football team. We predict our winners of the Power Five conferences, and we give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Sunday, August 20th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by River Wind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of August, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now, recording this Sunday morning, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. And, Ted, we are we're less than two weeks away, my friend. I know. I know. It is. It's happening. Whether we're ready or not, this thing's about to get kicked off, which is which is awesome. We've got week zero coming up this week, man. That's going to be that's going to be interesting. That one's always fun to it's a little primer, prime the pump a little bit, see what's going on out there and uh, make sure we're we're really prepared for this thing. Yeah. So for those of you that are new to the podcast, right? Maybe you, maybe this is the first one you've listened to, and maybe you just got on board this off season. The way that we handle things in during the season is our Wednesday episode. It's and we're we're pretty simple guys, so we keep it pretty pretty simple. Wednesday episode preview, Sunday episode recap, rinse repeat now we'll we'll preview obviously all of the ou games but we'll also pick usually two or three games biggest games around the country talk about those as well and wednesday's preview sunday's recap that's the simple is the only way we know how to do things over here yeah keep it simple because we're stupid right and um (laughs) i don't think that's the saying but (laughs) i think but i i think the principle still stands there with what you just did. Well, hey, let's be honest. We just give the people what they want. What What is going to happen, and then what the hell happened? Hopefully this year, there's more Happy Sunday episodes. Because there were points last season, things <laughs> got a little dark. Just got a little dark. We don't. None of us want to go through that again. So I'm yeah. excited. I'm excited for the season to be here. Yeah. It's uh. 
let's get rolling. Let's knock this thing out. I'm uh I think this is gonna be a fun episode. Yeah. All right. OU starts school Monday. So now they have to adhere to the 20 hour rule, right? They are you, you are in season mode now, right? The routine changes a little bit when it comes to lifting. Uh, when you're practicing, you got to do all your study hall and, and learning specialist stuff, tutor stuff, you know, all the fun stuff that comes with being a, a college football player. But the season is right around the corner. So this is what we're going to do. We are going all the way back to before the start of spring ball. We we had some questions, you know, like our our biggest questions for the program, for the roster. And I thought it'd be fun to revisit that and kind of blend what we've seen in training camp and just see if any of those questions have been answered. So I went to practice on Friday. Ted, you've gone to a lot of practices over these last couple of weeks, uh, scrimmages. And I loved the going back and listening to that episode. Your number one biggest question was can the offensive line get more movement at the point of attack? Will they be a little nastier with what you've seen? How are you feeling about that? I feel okay about it. I don't feel I don't feel like that is um like it's set in stone, yes. Uh I I like what I've seen. I think Savion Bird sets the tone for that group with the nastiness. Right. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. He's the one that seems to play with the mean streak. Uh, every time I've been out there, he's the one that's been rotating with the ones at that left guard position for the most part. Um, I think Metallier is, I think he's a little more assertive. I think he's a little more comfortable in that role at right guard. And with those two guys surrounding him, I think Raim is set up for his best season. Um, I think that makes the interior look really good. I, I think we know what we're going to get from Rouse at tackle and may, there may be a bit of him feeling his way right now. And at some point as he gets more comfortable and this group plays a little bit more together, he, he cuts it loose and plays with a little more, more of that nastiness, but, and kind of the same thing with Guyton, like the bookends, I, I feel are, like really consistent with what you're going to get. Maybe not a whole lot of nastiness right out of the gate. I think the interior though is going to be has a chance to be quite a bit better than it was a season ago. What do you think? Yeah, and it's it's a funny conversation because it's two of the same three guys, right, from last year. I. Just watching Andrew Rame throughout camp, I think he's playing. And on Friday, obviously, I'm watching. I am, I'm pretty locked in on watching the center. But he he is playing as technically sound as I've seen him. Right when it comes to what he's doing with his feet, what he's doing with his hands, kind of the way that he's using using momentum, like just some of the subtleties of playing the position. Now my man will still go rogue every once in a while going for a kill shot and just trying to do, which is good, right? Which is good. And I'm okay with that. Like you never want to take that out of a player, but I really do. I like what I've seen from him. Like he's, 
he's become, I think he's calmed everything down a little bit, right? Which sometimes the hands would really get active and wide. Sometimes the feet would just be moving for no reason. I feel like that's calmed down a little bit. And he's playing more technically sound at that position. I've got good news about Savion Bird. Okay. 305 pounds Ooh. on Friday. Ooh, okay. And we're talking early morning weigh-in, 305. All right. So hadn't even, you know, hadn't even been able to hammer some waters, right? And 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 get get that belly sloshing a little bit. No, no, no. We're talking a a lean 305 morning weigh-in. And I, you know, just talking to multiple people, it sounds like he is he's taking it really seriously. He realizes how important keeping his weight up is. And he's doing what he needs to do off the field to keep his weight up. And it seems like the staff is really pleased with how he's responded to that challenge. Like, hey, man, you have to be heavier and you got to keep it on. It seems like he's doing that. Yeah, they said 305 and I went, my goodness. That's big time. Now, it's almost enough to, to have me start questioning whether this is a Chris Messner situation or not. Um. You you remember him? He played tackle, and yeah. he was a little light. And uh, he he was telling this story on a podcast about how he stole some of the the little weight packets that go in the weight vest, and would uh, put those in his pockets and stuff whenever he went to weigh in. I've I've seen a I've seen a man or two put a two and a half plate in their uh, compression shorts. <laughs> That's so good. I love it. Hey, I I, I, I think the offensive line. I think the ceiling is maybe higher than it was a year ago. Completely agree. I don't think they're there now, but they weren't there last year out of the gate either. So I think this may be a bit of a ramp up because remember Anton Harrison, you know, the season previous to his last year was, it was okay. And then his start to the season was, it was solid. It was consistent. And he ramped up from there. And my man's locking out Aiden Hutchinson right now at uh, joint training camp practices, okay? So that's kind of my hope with this group is that they ramp things up and and uh, and get rolling. And by mid-late season, this group's cruising. Yeah, yeah. You, you hope that they really come together in the non-conference games. Because remember, this this group has not played a single snap in a game together. Not, I, I mean, not one. Yep. Training camp scrimmages don't count, right? There's not 80,000 people, 80,000 plus people in the stands, right? It just, there's a different feeling to playing together under those conditions and just handling everything that's going on. But I believe the first offensive line has a chance to be very good. Very good. That we go as they go on the offense for sure. So that's a, that's a good thing to hear. Yeah, and I think that I, with what I've seen, Guyton and Rouse have looked really solid, really solid. So yeah. I'm I'm happy where that group is at. There's there's certainly still depth concerns, but that first five, I think, has the chance to be, you know, one one of the better lines that OU's had in several years. Now they got to, like you mentioned, they got to reach their ceiling. Right. There's a lot of talent. And I, I know a lot of people look at Matoya and they're like, no one can beat him out. Listen, 
there's something to be said about just being consistent, man. Yeah. And, and you know what you're going to get from that guy and not, not everyone you trot out there at every position is going to be a first round draft pick guys. I mean, it's just, that's just, that's not real life. So having kind of a stable guy who's also, you know, an outspoken guy and one of the leaders on the team and Matoyer, like that's, that may be the, that may be a way to get the best play out of that group of five guys is a guy like that. The sum is greater than the parts type Correct. of situation. Whenever you put Matoyer out there and uh, between Rame and Guyton, you've got uh, super high-level possibilities on his outside and really strong, consistent parts on his inside. You can get better play out of him maybe than what the what the measurables or whatever say. So, yeah, I'm I'm there for it. Yeah. All right, so going back, your second big question for this – for this roster was where are the freaks? How you be, how you feeling about that? Being out of practice, being down there on the field, standing next to these guys, what, where are the freaks at Ted? I, I'm trending in the right direction. Freak wise. Okay. Um, like just a quick scan. Uh, you got out who still leads the freak show. Okay, and he's looking good out there. I think he's he's probably going to play a very small role in the beginning of the year, but I think he's going to continue to develop. And by the end of the season, who knows like what he may be doing as a as a you know rotational player, maybe a like a situational type player out there. But looks great in New Jersey and I, our D line. If you want to talk about like looks the eye they how do they pass the eye test it's way better than it's been in years past right across the board and that's that's all the way through the two deep so I feel good about it there and you know I, I like what we're hearing about just kind of more generally speaking with the football team the freaks are really the young guys you know we've heard the stories about Lewis Carter um We've heard the stories about some of these guys moving weight and how strong they are and, and some of the speed stuff. Um, I I'm I kind of like it on that end. Just to continue on the starting defense, Harrington at Cheetah, he's a freak. Okay. He's he's 6'3, 220 pounds. He's a gazelle. He can he can leap. He could do all kinds of great things. Whenever he's not there, uh, Sean McCole is playing there, 6'4, 6'5. Uh, he does some really good things at times. I I mean, physically, we're kind of – we're getting there a little bit. We're getting there. And on the offense, I mean, Guyton, he's a freak, right? 6'7", 330, and the way he moves, I mean, yeah. he oh, qualifies. Yeah. So, I'm, I feel pretty good about it. We got some speed. We're starting to get some freaky speed at wide receiver. Andrew Anthony um, – you know, Gavin Freeman, some of the stuff that he does athletically. I'm, I'm, a, I'm I like it. We're mediocre, uh, mediocre freak team right now. I, I think you, you put it best trending in the right direction. Yeah. Right. So I was and shout out to coach Venables, uh, for allowing a bunch of the former players back on Friday. I was love the could bring my son, my wife, and we were there for maybe two minutes. And my wife turns to me and goes, 
who is 34? <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't take much. Like if you're down there standing next to these guys, PJ stands out pretty significantly. Right. And I'll say this, man, starting to develop a little bit of a long arm. I mean, Uh-oh. I think he's really starting to, and that was on Friday. And I was told on Saturday when they did their situational scrimmage, like that, that long arm is getting where it needs to get. So when you talk about being a situational player early in the season, it's, it's almost a conversation. Hey, PJ, speed rush, long arm. Maybe you have an inside counter if you need it. But, hey, in second and long, like in obvious passing situations, buddy, let's let's put him out on the field and let's see what the young man can do. And I I think that he is – he's starting to show, show some things. And I think just from what I gather, like he's – he's ahead of where the staff thought he would be right. Cause of how raw he was coming out of high school, but seems like he's a bit of a sponge and he's understanding that those arms are absolute weapons. So uh, it's good to see and good to hear. There's definitely a, a reaction whenever you see him, there's a, what the hell is that guy? He's like half a head taller than everyone out there. And he's just got a, a very unique look to him. I'm telling if he puts on 15 pounds, he he may be the best looking football player in the country. Yeah. Oh, that's that's why. And it was pretty funny. We were there's big group of us standing on the sideline on Friday, and they were doing nine on seven, right? They were doing inside run. And I heard some guy who's like, Oh, well, that's that's PJ. Gabe and Teddy said that. You know, his ceiling is the first round of the draft. I mean, if he could put it all together. And then all of a sudden, like two seconds later, I was like, oh. And then I heard, oh, well, there's Gabe standing over there. <laughs> we're literally like five feet apart from each other. It's pretty good. funny. But I, I still believe that. I still think that he is, like, that's the ceiling. When you see him physically, you were just, like, it takes you a second. You're you're just like, whoa, look at, look at this guy. Yep. Yeah, he's. I, I like what I see there. Um, you know, just, just got to continue to develop. And I, I athletically, you know, defensively, Kanek is a freak, right? And hopefully he's getting there mentally where he can unleash some of that athleticism. Um, you know, Billy Bowman is still super fast, super explosive. And I think Josiah Wagner's trending on the freak list just because of like his mentality and the way that he plays as a true freshman is incredible. That kid is going to be really, really good, really, really fast. Yeah. I, I do think the D line, especially the interior D line, like Isaiah Coe, Dejon Terry, like they looked apart. Yep. Right. They looked apart. Phil Pio was out there practicing on Friday and he looked good in a jersey. I was watching him pretty closely during nine on seven. Had some nice reps. Looks heavy handed, strong at the point of attack. Exactly what we were hoping he would be. Yeah. And right now he's he's working back from that ACL from a year ago. But I like the way that he looked because I was like, who the hell is ninety three? I and I couldn't figure it out for a solid minute or two. I was like, oh yeah, he's out there. All right, let's see what he's got. And hey. I thought he, Thought he looked pretty good. More they can add to that rotation, the better. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a much much better 
feeling group than what we had um, not just a year ago, like in in several years. Uh, we'll see like what the like who ends up having the best year there and who emerges because I do think that they're going to continue to get better. But from where we're starting right now, this this has a like and you can just count the whole front edge and D interior defensive tackle. This is the deepest most talented group that we've had in as long as I can remember, unless I'm missing something, right? I think, I think that's where they're at. Now we don't have the individual high level, at least at this moment that, that we've had, you know, sprinkled in here and there, your oboes, like what Eric Stryker did whenever he was coming off the edge. We don't have that right now, but that doesn't mean it can't develop throughout the season. Right the most impressive looking guy, like when you go out there and you watch the offense other than Tyler Guyton, because once you learn that he's over 330 pounds, you're just like, wait, why is he look is so he? lean? Like, how is that guy 330? But he's, he looks really good right now. But I, I think the most impressive looking guy on the offense is Marcus Major. You get out there and, and he's had a fantastic camp. Looks really good. Right with Sawchuck being banged up, like he's he's really had the opportunity to prove that he needs to be one of the the guys in this running back rotation, and it seems like that's exactly what he's done. Like, hey, I need to be on the field now. I know the question is always, can he stay healthy? Right, and the staff has done a really good job of managing his reps throughout camp, and he's healthy. And may or may not have it, – it could have been debatable, right? May or may not have had a 99-yard touchdown run in, in a coming-out situational drill on Saturday. But head coach blew it dead. <laughs> yes. Smart. Yes. No, no, no. no. We're going to snap it again. No, he he looks really good, man. I mean, the way that he's built, the thickness in his lower half, the explosiveness, he. He looks the part when you when you go out there and you're just looking at the offense, you're like, all right, who who is the athlete that looks the best in a jersey? I I think it's 24. Yeah. He's he's one of that whole that whole running back group is is pretty daggum solid, honestly. Um they got good depth. You know, they they've got a, a group of guys that some of them can do a little bit different things, which is good. So, right, we need a big year out of those guys for sure. Yeah. Now, one of my questions, going back and looking at our biggest questions before spring ball, one of my questions kind of blends over into the freak conversation. It was, do we have any dudes at wide receiver? Yeah. Right? Ted, I saw, I saw two guys make a couple big plays last Friday. Would you like to guess what two wide receivers – Made those plays. Hmm. There's been uh, a consistent now, camp theme. Well, I was gonna say, is it who who do I want it to be or who do I think it was? I think it was probably, I would say, I'd say Gavin Freeman and Andrew Anthony. Correct. They've been consistent. Yeah. Guys. Those guys have been consistently making big plays, and you know, Andrew Anthony had an awesome competitive catch, like on a deep post for forty something yards. 
Let me tell you right now, Jackson Arnold can push it down the field, buddy. And will. Whoa. Yeah. But and he's not afraid to take some some risks with the football, which has resulted in you know throwing some interceptions throughout camp. But man, he just makes some throws where you go, okay, yeah, yeah. I get it. But you know, uh, I think that Jaden Gibson, you know, he's had he's had some big long touchdowns these last couple practices as well. Like I think they're pleased with where he's at. Nick Anderson, other than a few drops here or there, like he when when I'm out there, he's the best looking wide receiver. Yeah, and I was I was gonna say like he like him and Jaden Gibson, they're on the freak list. Yeah, right? but I. Number one, we want the freak list performing, not just like, you know, getting off the bus, you know, and leading workouts. We need those guys performing and making plays. But it's such a good trend that when we're talking about the, like, where are the freaks, it's a lot of young guys, you know, from from this new recruiting class of the year previous. And, and that's a good thing. I mean, there's some good young talent physically out there that's, and there's more guys that we didn't mention, but that's a that's a good trend. Yeah, right now, I'm trying to decide like how many wide receivers can you play, like it, it like once they get to conference play, right? Once that Cincinnati game rolls around, like how many wide receivers can you play? Like how many do you want in the rotation? And it seems like maybe six is the right number. And if you look at where this team is at. I think it's Andrew Anthony, Drake Stoops, Jalil Farouk, and then your other three would be Gavin Freeman, Jaden Gibson, and Nick Anderson. Oh, I and Petaway's got to be in there. Like he well, he is undoubtedly one of the best six wide receivers. So maybe maybe the list is seven long because there there's no doubt Petaway is going to have a pretty substantial role on this team. The crazy thing is. Uh, LV Bunkley Shelton's been rotate with the one group a lot too. Yeah. So and I just, I don't know how they narrow that. This is kind of where I'm at with LV Bunkley Shelton. It seems like the guy's got an awesome personality, fun guy to be around when out there at practice. He seems like he's always having a good time, but if the choices are Bunkley Shelton or Petaway, it's like, Hey, what is LV Bunkley Shelton? Fifth year guy, sixth year guy. At, at some point, you got to say, "Hey, I mean, you are what you are, man." If someone goes down, it's great. It's great to have a guy like that that can step in that you trust. But, and I, I'm sure this is a conversation the staff is going to have. It's like you, you probably are going to prioritize developing Petaway and getting him reps. But who knows? Maybe Bunkley Shelton runs out there with the first group against Arkansas State, and I'm like, okay, all right, here we go. Is it me or has? Has Jalil Farouk been like totally quiet? I, yeah. I hardly. I mean, I know, I know he's out there, and it's and it's hard to watch everything whenever I'm there. But I, he, he, he doesn't stick out at all. He blends in, and I haven't seen. I mean, I'm not. Again, when I've been there, it's a small sample size. I don't want to act like this is the entire training camp, but. I don't know. It just seems very, very quiet from him. Yeah. No, I hear you. And it could have 
something to do with you know, sometimes you focus on the guys that haven't contributed a little more. Like, okay, yeah. what's this guy got? Feel yeah. like we know we know what we're gonna get from Farouk. Right. They're gonna find a variety of ways to get him the ball in his hands. And yeah, I I'm not worried about it, but you're right. There has not been there has not been a ton of Farouk buzz, right? Coming out of camp practices. But he's in the first group every single time they go out there on the field. So you know that he's performing at a level that the staff, you know, they're they're comfortable with. But yeah, and, and that's the question for him this season is can he can he take that step, right? From yep. being a really good college wide receiver to being a guy you're talking about being, you know, a early round draft pick, right? Can yep. he make that jump? I I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. No, I agree. All right. So one of your other questions, right? Biggest questions was can Dylan Gabriel become a difference maker, right? More than just solid. When I was out there on Friday, he had some beautiful throws pushing it down the field. Seems to be more willing. And that was something we talked about last season, like that he was so risk averse all the time. Right, that what the in the numbers look great, but sometimes you gotta you gotta take some chances with the football when it comes to trying to create some big plays down the field. And I think that I think his mentality on that has changed a little bit. And I wonder how much Jackson Arnold <laughs> tried some of the throws that he tries has has kind of opened Dylan Gabriel's eyes a little bit in those situations. Right, because I did I thought he was a little too conservative at times last year. He and you mentioned this early in camp. He definitely looks faster when he tucks it and runs, like yeah. noticeably faster and just moving better. But how are you feeling about him being a difference maker with what you've seen? I feel pretty good. You know, I, I think we need to go back and, and think about the mentality from last year. First of all, for him personally, coming off of an injury, right? Coming off of a big injury, um, still probably some – some internal thought as to how good is it? Like, am I really fully back? Which leads to playing a little bit tentative. Okay. You, you combine that with the situation of backup quarterback where the mantra from his quarterback coach and offensive coordinators, probably you got to get down. You got to get rid of the ball. You got to stay like, we can't lose you. All right. So there's this constant, like thought being put in there to play more conservatively whenever you're you're out in the open field. Um, you know, whenever you combine all that stuff, I think you had a, a much more cautious Dylan Gabriel. Um, I think now backup quarterback situation is way better. I think he's got way more confidence in that knee. Um, he's got more confidence in in being a leader and and being the leader of the offense. So I think all of that together gets you a, a more assertive, more aggressive Dylan Gabriel. And, you know, whenever you look at great quarterbacks, they, without a doubt, like the biggest, because it's really what the position is, is how do I get the most out of the rest of my teammates, right? Uh, how do I make everyone better? And last year, I it it was more about just trying to execute the offense, you know, with, you know, 
not with caution, but with efficiency and, but I think there's a different feeling with him now. Like they're, he's trying to make plays, right? And he's trying to get outside the pocket and get guys open. He's still smart and he's still making the smart play. But I do think that we're going to see a much more aggressive Dylan Gabriel. And I think that's going to open up all kinds of different things for his teammates and making those guys better around him. Yeah. It looks good. Looks now, good. A to lot me. of that's all tied back to the offensive line, too. Yeah. Like how much trust does he have in the O line? Yeah, for sure. And I I'm to the point with what I've seen from Jackson Arnold, some of the throws, some of the some of the things that he does, they're just special, man. I mean, the guy can he can really rip it down the field. And it makes me wonder how the staff is going to handle that situation early in the season, especially in the non-conference games. They're they're going to want to get that guy some run, man. Mm-hmm. So I I think they'll do it. I think they'll do it. I've suggested that they're going to do it before a football game is decided. You know, I think it's going to happen. Maybe not necessarily like super early or or even first half, but. I think you're going to see him in the game in some moments where it's not you're up four touchdowns and it it really doesn't matter what you do, right? Right. I think you're, I think they want to build a little bit of pressure around him whenever he goes out there. Yeah, I think they're going to do. I'm going to be. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't play some meaningful snaps in the non-conference slate. That that would that would definitely surprise me, but. He just, there's moments, man, where he just looks fantastic. So I'm I'm very excited about his future and, and what he can be at the quarterback position. Uh, going back and looking at a couple of the questions I had, one was, hey, what's the leadership on this team look like? And starting with the defensive side of the ball, it's, it's pretty clear, like Stutman, Stutzman's that guy. Right? When it comes to calling the defense, being that vocal guy, And it was interesting on Friday because he basically got what I would call a vet day off, right? Some of the team sessions, you know, especially nine on seven, got to rest, got to watch the other guys. But Kip Lewis was the guy that came in and was running the show at Will Backer alongside Kanick at Mike, which I thought was interesting. You're right. He's not very big, but he's decisive. He he just makes quick decisions and comes and is ready to play some football, man. It's interesting to watch him because you're like, who is 10 and why is he so small and why is he so close to the line of scrimmage? But I do think the instincts, like the feel, are there for Kip Lewis. But yeah, Ted, when you look at the leadership from what we've seen, there, there's a lot of veteran guys in the secondary along the defensive line that are very outspoken, but it, it does seem like, hey, Stutzman is the... You know, he's the vocal leader that everyone's turning to yep. on, on the defensive side. That's good. And you got to have that. And he's, you know, he, I think he's well on his way to having a really, really good year. And uh, just to, like on the back end, I don't know if you saw this, but the last time I was out there, I saw more talking and more communicating on the back end with those guys than I had seen previous. And that is a great sign. Um, just the fact that they're, they're, they're constantly chirping on the back end about what they got wide receiver splits, motions, um, checking in and out of coverages. Like 
there there's there's a different level out there of communication going on yeah and hopefully that will continue to improve right you you've mentioned you know sometimes at points in camp when you've been out there just some busts in the back end right guys running free well hopefully all that communication can eliminate any of that because you know if this team this is kind of where i'm at with this defense like with the depth that they've got in the front seven, and I don't think there are any at this point in time, like there's no first round draft picks right now. Most people who listen to this podcast know that we are very high on PJ's future. <laughs> so I, I expect that guy to be a first round draft pick eventually, but with the guys that are going to play significant, let's call them starting roles, maybe there's not a first rounder in the bunch, but if you can. If you can eliminate busts in the back end and just giving up, you know, 40, 50, 60 yard, like easy plays, if you make teams snap it over and over and over again, I think this defense has a chance to be really, really solid, especially like, especially comparing it to a year ago. I but agree. You, you got to eliminate those mistakes. Uh, it, that's the, that's what's crazy is you can play, you know, if, if we're talking about, a typical game, you can play 70 really, really good snaps. And you can play five really bad snaps and have a horrible day defensively. I mean, that's that's how tough it is on, on the on the defensive side is you could be consistent, you can force turnovers, you could be getting to the quarterback, you could be crushing the run game. But if five times you one of them you miss a tackle one on one and the guy busted for a explosive 60 yard run you give up three deep balls over the top for touchdowns you know all of a sudden you look up and it's like what the hell happened we just gave up 35 and we've played a really good game defensively so that that's how tight the margins are but you're right like if if you just if you just make them snap it again and don't give up the big, easy chunks to offenses, this defense is going to be much better than they were a year ago. Much better. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And the last question, looking back at what our biggest questions were heading into spring ball with this team, Desan McCullough's role. What, what do you think? It There is no doubt in my mind with what I've seen that Justin Harrington is your starting cheetah. And so I spoke at, there There was a Sooner Club event on Thursday night, right? Joe C spoke, then Venable spoke, then it was kind of like a little panel of me, Caleb Kelly, and some guy named Roy Williams. You may have heard of him. Huh. Yeah, they, I've heard that name. Uh, the crowd really liked Roy, and Roy told some <laughs> awesome stories. It was it was a lot of fun. But, and this this stood out to me because you and I, we we know Venables well. And he doesn't, Ted, would you say, he he doesn't just throw, throw hyperbole around there, like around a lot. Like he is not, I wouldn't say he's an over complimentary guy, right? Even in that type of setting. And these were his exact words about Justin Harrington. I think he's going to be a superstar. When Brent Venables says that about someone on defense, that gets my attention. So yeah. I I think, you know, we've been really high on Harrington since the spring. 
right? But hearing BV say that about it, it's almost like my expectations of the guy are even higher. And out there on Friday, he was, I mean, all of a sudden, they were doing third and long situations. Harrington became a very active blitzer and was not only sacking the quarterback, but like making O-linemen miss, making running backs miss. Like the dude is, and you've been talking about it for a while now, like the dude is a special athlete, but for BV to say, I think he's going to be a superstar. Like my, my expectations for the guy at the cheetah spotter are kind of through the roof. I'm not going to lie. Well, I, and I've, I've been saying that for a long time with this kid. He, like, I believe that Cheetah is the single biggest flip in, in like, from one, from in the single position from last year to this year, where are we going to get the biggest jump? It's Cheetah with Justin Harrington. And in my opinion, it's not really even close. He is, like, like you, like you said, off the edge as a blitzer. Uh, in the running game out there when receivers are trying to block him, you know, he, and he, he has an endless amount of energy. The dude never gets tired. I, I think he's going to be great. I've, I've been basically Justin Harrington's personal cheerleader for a long time now. Um, he's either going to make me look great or make me look stupid, but I, he's not going to make me look stupid. I'm totally confident in him. Now, is, is he prone to an occasional, uh, you know, mental mistake, absolutely. But he makes up for so much of that in athleticism and and aggressiveness in the way that he plays there. He's really good tackler. He's physical. He'll come strike you, and he's just so versatile there that I, I'd just be shocked if he doesn't have a huge year. Yeah. So what what do you think that means for McCullough's role on this team? I. I do think there's going to be situations, right? Just because no one Venable is the way that we know him. Like, there's no doubt those two guys, there's going to be packages where those two guys are both on the field, mm-hmm. right? He He's going to find ways. One of the things that he's done at an extremely high level as a defense coordinator for years and years is get his playmakers on the field. Mm-hmm. And with McCullough's, with his physical tools, his ability to rush the passer, right? Uh, some of the strides he's made when it comes to some of the coverage stuff. There, there are going to be situations where you see one and four on the field at the same time. Like this isn't a situation where it's one or the other, right? I, I think we're going to see some stuff where Venables just looks at him and goes, hey, I need to get my freakiest athletes on the field. We, we got to find a role for McCullough while Harrington's on the field. And I I'm excited to see what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. They've played they've played McCullough on the inside a little bit. Um, and that's probably how you'd see it, either that or Harrington at safety somewhere. Um, I think when Deshaun McCullough plays Cheetah, he he is excellent at shutting down like bubbles and tunnels and those those quick throws to his side. He's almost impossible for a slot receiver to block because he's six, five, they, they look like toddlers trying to get their hands on. Him. They just, you know, his arms are so long. He's got such good length that he kills those plays. He also kills any type of run coming to his side. He's very forceful coming up in, in the run game. And he's a good blitzer. As you can imagine, God played on the line of scrimmage. 
struggles in the intermediate to deeper passing game. And that's just going to be something that happens for a while. You know, he's, that's the new part of this, this, this role for him. Think if you think about the contrast between he and Harrington, Deshaun McCullough has played his entire career on the line of scrimmage as an edge, right? Justin Harrington has played corner. He's played safety. He's played nickel. I, that, that is the exact world. He's been a cover guy. So, you know, they, they come at the position from different places. Here's the good thing. He's got the best defensive coordinator in college football as his head coach. And you can find ways to protect a guy that's great at the line of scrimmage at that position, right? You can call defense uh, accordingly to keep him with someone over the top to where he's not running with a, with a Gavin Freeman on a, you know, 70 yard seam route. You can find ways to protect him. So I think he will have a role, but in the future, I, I think Harrington is, it, this is his last year. And I think he's going to give you a great year. Have patience with Deshaun McCullough. He's got plenty of eligibility left and he's going to be a great player for them at Cheetah. Yeah. It's going to be, uh, I mean, I, I feel good about where both of those guys are at, but yeah, I think just all the, all the newness, right. From McCullough, like it's, it's tough to digest all of that and, you know, be really confident going out there, but there, he, he's going to have a role on this defense. Mm-hmm. But when, when you say, Hey, who is the starting cheetah? I just don't think there's any doubt at this point that it's Harrington. No. Nope. Like, and he's, he's going to be, He's one of those guys. I I'd never foresee Justin Harrington coming off the field for this defense. No, I agree. Yeah. So um, let's and, get to call your shot. Oh, just go real ahead. quick, when you think about like kind of their their shell on the on the back end and how how deep and athletic they are, you include him. We are like they'll do some stuff where they've got six DBs out there, and you're talking about Peyton Bowen, Justin Harrington, Billy Bowman. Pearson, like just as your like kind of core group there, that it like that is that's a really athletic, explosive group of players out there that that can be super dangerous. I'm excited about them. Yeah. All right, let's get to call your shot. Uh, we asked you guys the most important thing that happened for Oklahoma football this weekend. Uh, we we did get a question, right? This comes from Corey underscore B12C. He said, on your last show, Teddy was trying to sprinkle some positivity and mentioned he isn't seeing much difference in the first and second string defensive line. Does this also mean he isn't seeing a star or we just aren't there yet? I, well, I think it's I, I think it's a good thing. Um, and I no, I don't think necessarily we have a star right now. Um, but that doesn't mean that Someone is going to have the best year on the defensive line. Someone's going to have the best year at edge. I'm just not sure who it's going to be at this point. And that's, I, it could be a bad way, you know, that could be a bad situation, but that's not this situation. I think this situation is a good one. There's a bunch of candidates that could end up having the best year at interior and edge. And I, do you agree with that? Like the two deep, it's hard to tell. Like who's going to like just viewing those guys. They're all 
right there kind of in the same spot. Yeah, and as far as a a star, right, L- looking at what Corey asked, yeah, I don't think, you know, I once again, going back to PJ, I think that guy's going to be a star eventually. Is he there right now? No. And, and when you look at kind of too deep across the board for OU's defensive line, there's not a first-round pick in the bunch, right? There's just not. But that doesn't mean that they can't play at a high level, like in the, the, I think the thing that you and I are looking for more from that group is consistency. Yeah. That was the most frustrating part a year ago was, Hey man, look at, look at how these guys are coming off the ball, getting off blocks, using their hands. And then it would kind of just disappear for stretches. And we'd be sitting there going, what's going on now. You've got, you've got more guys that are at a similar talent and skill level, right? So you're going to be able to rotate more, keep guys fresher throughout games and throughout the season. And you would expect the level of play, especially the consistency at the the level they're going to play at to, to be better. Like that's, that's how I view the defensive line right now. Both the floor and the ceiling are much higher than they were a year ago, in my opinion, with this group. And Kind of like with the offense, you mentioned it. Like, I think it's whenever you talk about the entire defensive front, the I think the the sum is greater than the parts. I think because of of how the group is going to be able to work together and the depth that they have and the rotation that they're going to have, I, it should be a pretty relentless group to try and block as an offensive line. You're going to have the same five for every offense, usually blocking. 12 guys in a rotation for our defensive line, you think? Is that too many? I I mean, they're 10. I would say 10 at the least. Yeah. And all the level across the board on all of those guys is like if if I if I went through and you I told you the starting line was starting defensive front was was Bothroyd, Kelly. Co and uh, Downs or Grimes, you'd probably say, okay. But then if I said your starting front is R. Mason Thomas, um, Dejon Terry, Jonah Luulu, and uh, Grimes, it's like the same thing, right? Yeah, you don't feel you're not – when you hear each of those lineups, you're not going, oh, one is so much stronger than the other. You know what I mean? Right. That's that's kind of where we're at with this group. And I didn't even mention Trace Ford, who I think, I still think is is their best pass rusher. I, I know R. Mason Thomas, they love him in one-on-ones and the way that he gets off, but I think, I think Trace Ford's just the explosiveness that he has when he, when he needs to cut it loose. But I mean, there's, I don't know. I, I think it's, I think they're in a good spot. I could, could end up feeling like an idiot when the season rolls around. But the way I look at it right now, just feel like they're incredibly deep and, the, and it's a really good pe- uh, place to be right now. Yeah. No. This other one comes from Johnna Myrick, who says, W in wearing OU gloves and shoes in his first game. Uh, she's referring to Williams Winery, and I guess the scrimmage, right? Not not game technically, but 
rocking OU cleats and gloves at that scrimmage in Tulsa just a couple days after committing to Missouri. That was, it was certainly interesting. It, it, it got Sooner Nation talking, that's for sure. Yeah, it's one of those things is, is it because it all matched his uniform? Yes. It's, this is, it, it's simple for me, right? And I know that, you know, there are people, you know, people that are on the OU beat that were there covering the game and asked them about it, but it's this simple. Those are sweet cleats, man. And they match the jersey perfectly. Yep. That's all he had to say. I, I can't imagine Eli Drinkwitz and the Missouri staff were thrilled. Yeah. I mean, it's also it's in Tulsa, right? Your your coach is an OU guy, but yeah, that uh that certainly made some waves, man. And you know, it came with some comments afterwards where he was, you know, really praising Oklahoma and and I just I I think it's like they matches they match his uniform perfectly. And then at the end, whenever you're asked, you're just, you know, you're going to be complimentary of, of Oklahoma and the program. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad sign. Yeah. And I'm not the only one that feels this way. I think everyone feels this way. And I would have, I would be saying the same exact thing had he committed to the university of Oklahoma. This is going to be a recruitment that goes all the way until he signs and probably beyond when you're the number one player in the country, people are not going to stop coming after you whenever you've just committed. Yeah, it is. It was certainly interesting. Certainly interesting. Let's make some power five predictions, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. But first loves travel stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Loves Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Loves Connect app unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Loves Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Loves Travel Stops. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile to go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Hamori. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise and is the best place to get your OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O P O L I S clothing.com. Use promo code TED. T-E-D for 10% off your entire order. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And hey, you hungry out there? Well, then head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter, toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. The food is fantastic, and it is the perfect spot to watch any big game. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. All right, some Power 5 predictions. Now, this is always a fun exercise, but injuries happen. Things may change, right? But you got to predict who's going to win each conference. That's just kind of what comes with talking into a microphone about college football all the time. Ted, it's just something we have to do. Something we have to do. It's fun. Um, Yeah, and not always, but... Well, I'll say this. 
there, there, there's going to be a couple of huge surprises in college football this year, and I don't know what they are, but there's going to be some. That's the great thing about college football is, you know, right whenever you think that everything is decided and everyone knows what's going to happen, TCU comes from nowhere and goes and plays in a national championship game, right? Which zero people would have predicted before last year. So stuff like that happens. That's why the sport's so fun. But you're right. We got to do it. Let's let's get it on. All right. Let's start with the Big 12 Conference. Who you got? Um, I think there's there's two ways to look at it. I the most consistent pick, like the most straightforward pick you got to go with Kansas State. They won it last year. They return a full offensive line. They, If you get the Will Howard that they had towards the end of last year, you're going to have a, a very, very tough, smart, all-around good football team at Kansas State, and consistency is what matters. Um, here's the problem. I think there's going to be – I think this is going to be one of those years and we've seen this in the past where everything runs through the quarterback at Kansas state. Uh, and that's Will Howard, but that leaves you prone to injury. Right. And it feels like so often Kansas state's quarterbacks have been nagged by something that you're not getting their full, full potential out there. I think that's the danger with them. If they lose Will Howard, um, I think the next pick for me in, in the big 12 is, it's got to be Oklahoma. I think with what you're getting at Dylan Gabriel, what we're getting defensively, what our overall roster looks like, I, I think Oklahoma is – you got 1A for me with Kansas State and 1B with Oklahoma, and I think that's going to be your Big 12 championship game. Yeah, I've got Kansas we'll State as well. who's in the best spot at that point. Yeah, I've got Kansas State as well. I am – I'm just a big believer in what Chris Kleiman has built there. They got to replace some fantastic players, right? And Deuce Vaughn and Felix and UDK Uzama. But I am heavily influenced by the fact that they've got four starting offensive linemen back. Will Howard has some serious confidence now. And I'm not sure who the playmakers are going to be for him at wide receiver. Ben Sennett, the tight end, is back. I know he's going to make plays. But I, I do think Colin Klein is going to continue to open this offense up a little more with this play calling. And they found a defensive system that works well for them. I really like the inside backer combo of Austin Moore and Daniel Green. And I just I feel like I trust Kansas State the most going into the season. Right now, clearly, I, I want to see OU get getting back to playing the type of football that we're used to seeing the Sooners play. I, I, I don't trust Texas. I'm with you. I trust OU more to get to that point. That just with the Longhorns, I need to see more from Quinn Ewers before I buy into the hype with that whole situation. There's no doubt they're a talented team, but uh, my head is telling me Kansas State. Obviously, my heart is telling me OU because I believe in BV, um, and the team is better. And the schedule's very favorable, but I'm going to need to see improvement from Oklahoma. So I'm just going to, I'm going to take Kansas State because I, I'm just giving them the benefit of the doubt. I feel like I know what I'm going to get from that team. And I, I agree with that. And that's the one thing I feel like a lot of 
more of the national pundits are forgetting about the Big 12 this year because for the last decade, it's been a a round-robin format where you play every single team in the conference. That's not the case anymore. This is the first year in a long time where schedules matter. And I, I know everyone loves Texas this season. In, in whatever that, whatever you think about their talent and, and their overall potential, that's fine. They have a far more difficult schedule than Oklahoma has and even Kansas State. They've got one of the more difficult schedules in the conference. So um, I think that's one of the that's one of the big reasons to not have them as your Big 12 champion. Yeah. And it's Texas. And it's Texas. <laughs> have have one double digit win season in the last 13 seasons and Steve Sarkeesian has never won 10 games as a head coach. So I just they're going to have to show me. All right, moving on to the SEC. Who you got? Uh, I'm taking Alabama. I know everyone is on the Georgia train, and I get that. A lot of people on the LSU train, too. LSU. My my 1A for SEC is Alabama. I think the Alabama can't find a quarterback is like, I don't know if Nick Saban planted this story. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with it. Maybe, yes, he's brought some of that on by the way that he's uh, spoken about the position battle. But I feel like Alabama's about to unleash hell on everyone at quarterback. With uh, I think it's going to be Milrow. I don't, I don't know what the latest is out of there, but when we, we were just talking about freaks, uh, Milrow makes the freak list. He's like 6'2", 6'3", 235, 240-pound, absolute athlete at quarterback and i think he's going to have a great year um my one my uh 1b for the sec tennessee ooh i think tennessee has the right momentum behind the program and i i know that that quarterback is going to be the biggest swing position for them and here's the big question he what Joe Milton hasn't thrown an interception in their entire training camp per their head coach, Josh Heupel, which I think is a great sign. Um, that obviously means zero heading into the season. But, I mean, I think it for him it shows that he's consistent. He's being a good decision maker with the football. I, if they get Orange Bowl Joe Milton, they're going to win the SEC East. If they don't, if they get – Previous Joe Milton, who's kind of lost out there, has some has some like explosive potential in in parts, but struggles in the decision making part of things. Can't run a an offense for an entire game. Then they're not winning it. They're probably not going to get close to winning it. But Tennessee, or excuse me, Alabama's my first pick. Tennessee's my second. I I've got Alabama. Uh, I've got Alabama beating Georgia in the SEC championship game. I know really going out on the limb here, but I'm a believer in Tommy Reese and what that offense is going to look like. Right. I I think that, I I think that he is whoever they play at quarterback and maybe they end up playing multiple guys, but I think they're going to get back to a little more run game, a little more true play action, a little less RPO than what we've seen from them over the last couple of years. And 
I think the offense is going to be humming. Uh, I'm not worried about it. I know there's some question marks of, hey, do we have, you know, do they have big time playmakers at the wide receiver position? But I think they're going to be fine. I think they've got elite players at every level of their defense. They've got to go to A&M, but they get Tennessee and LSU in Tuscaloosa. I just think it lines up well for them. And you've got an entire locker room of guys that went went to Bama never thinking they weren't going to be the biggest show in college football. And Georgia has taken the spotlight from them. Yeah. And taken the crown from them. And I, I don't know how that locker room responds to that, but it, I got to imagine Saban is leaning into that. As far as Georgia, just ridiculously talented. Really, the only reason I'm not picking Georgia, yeah, there's the quarterback situation, but, you know, and Carson Beck was named the starter over the weekend, just like we thought he was going to be. But it's just really hard to win the SEC three years in a row. Yep. So maybe it is the quarterback thing that's holding me back on Georgia and giving me some hesitation, but I, I've got Alabama mainly because they get LSU and Tennessee at home. Like that's, I think that's huge for them this season. So Crimson tied for me. Yeah. You know, Georgia is, I, Georgia by no means is, is going to be a bad football team this year. They're not, but, I, I just think that they are they've been on such a high. I think it's it's gonna be a little bit of a down year. That doesn't mean like they're gonna be right there at the top and it's gonna be ultra competitive. I mean that that Georgia Tennessee game may decide who comes out of the east with it. Um we'll see. I, I think that I and I know the the Beck kid is is supposed to be incredibly talented and is gonna be a great player. I, I, I'm I'm not I, I just I Georgia doesn't have a history of being able to replace quarterback and I just don't think it's as easy as the next guy up we'll see I could be totally wrong on that yeah they the the schedule is what it is for Georgia but I I, I think they're gonna be a really good football team I Do just think, think the schedule for Georgia I, it's easy like it's SEC easy, I guess you you would say. Yeah, I think that's a bad thing for them, not a good thing. I think they've managed it the last couple of years. It's been just fine. Yeah. So just I march right through it. Yeah, yeah. I, there's a good chance that they just plow everyone, and it's not even close. Yeah. I mean, so we'll see. But yeah, I don't. I don't think George is going to struggle. I don't think there's going to be some big, uh, big drop off there in Athens with the way they've been pooling talent. Okay, the Big Ten Conference. Anyone but Michigan? What do you think? Michigan's the number one pick. No um, doubt. I, they they finally, it feels like, gotten over the hump. And like they were right there for so long, but just couldn't get past Ohio State. And now that they have two years in a row, it's like finally the dark cloud isn't like following them around everywhere that they go. And... I think it suits them well. I think some confidence with Michigan is going to go a really long way. And it's kind of funny to see the Ohio State fan base right, kind of lose it a little bit. Right, should we fire Ryan Day, who's lost like 
three regular season games since he's been head coach or something crazy. You know, it's like I it's Michigan's in a good spot. They've really they've uh they've they've messed with Ohio State's head right now. It's hard to see anyone else winning it. Penn State still going to be really good running the ball. You got to watch out for them. You know, division wise in the in the Big Ten is is something crazy. You never know what the West is going to look like and who could come out of there. I just I don't see anyone dangerous enough to be able to knock off Ohio State, Michigan, or or even if it was Penn State to come from that side. I think those are the three strongest teams by some margin. I'll take Michigan. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think you can take anyone other than Michigan at this point. Now you look at the schedule for them. They've got to go to Michigan State. They got to go to Penn State, but they get the Buckeyes in the game there at the end of the season. They get them in Ann Arbor. It's got a lot of playmakers on both sides of the ball. I expect JJ McCarthy to be even better this year. Uh, Corman Edwards may be the best one two duo at running back in the entire country. They're always good at the line of scrimmage. And you mentioned it, man, they got a mental edge over Ohio State right now. That matters. Does like they walk in that building every single day thinking we are better than Ohio State. And the last two seasons, they absolutely have been right. They they beat the hell out of them. So it matters whenever two teams walk on the field and one of them says, This is going to be the coolest day ever, and the other one is saying, Oh my god, we can't lose again. Like that. That matters for football, and especially whenever they're going on the road. Right now, Ohio State, I, they're not going to get the the momentum of the crowd behind them when they make big plays. Like that's that's going to be a fun one to watch. Yeah, as far as Penn State, a lot of Penn State believers out there, and I don't know if you looked at Bruce Feldman's freak list this year. There was a ridiculous number of Penn State guys on there. Yeah, they got some creatures on that team, but. It's just simple for me, man. James Franklin has not been good against Ohio State and against Michigan. Well, I, I would say like their biggest issue has been they haven't like in order to go do anything in college football this day and age, you have to have an elite quarterback. And they haven't been there. It just they just haven't. I feel like like that's ultimately what has held Michigan back. I think Michigan has had, you know, an elite football team minus an elite quarterback. Right. And yeah, I would and I I don't think you need like a first round draft pick. Just look at what Stetson Bennett has done the last couple of years. But you gotta have a playmaker. Yeah. Right. He he maybe doesn't need to be six four and two hundred and thirty pounds and like a prototype looking guy, but he's gotta be a playmaker. Yeah. And we'll it, see what Drew like, Allard looks like for Penn State, right? Exactly. And, they haven't had anyone that played like Stetson Bennett, whenever they needed him to play, I he play he made some incredible plays. And right. I just there hasn't been anyone at Penn State that's done stuff like that, or Michigan, frankly, in a long time. Well, I think JJ McCarthy's gonna be I yeah. think he should take he, a he showed step. glimpses of it a year ago. I agree. I think he's gonna I think he's going to be pretty special this season. But, yeah, I the only other team in the Big Ten that interests me is Wisconsin. I, I'm starting to really like them to come out of the West. I can't wait to watch that offense, especially 
everyone's like, oh, Phil Longo, well, they're going to play with more tempo. They're going to spread things out, you know, throw it around a little more. And in my head, I'm like, no, they're going to spread teams out and then hand it to that mutant Braylon Allen in the run game. Like, that's what they're going to do. They're going to try to find ways to get lighter boxes for him and then just run the absolute hell out of the ball. Yeah, I, I agree. And the other thing is, like, you ex- they've already they've had really good defenses at Wisconsin. And with Fickle there, you expect that to, to just continue to roll. There may be some growing pains installing a new system, but um, I think they'll still be good defensively. Tanner Mordecai is about to become a household name. Uh, and for us, it's like he already is. No, he is for us. You know, he was at OU and he went to SMU. And, you know, people may recall the name because on SportsCenter pretty constantly is like, Mordecai throws for a 380 for SMU this week, and it's just boom, boom, boom for him. But I, him, he, like it's going to be a great kind of uh, contrast between Mordecai being a, an air raid quarterback and playing that system, and then being able to move it around the field, and then having you know an awesome offensive line and maybe the best running back in the country on the interior that. If they can get it to work in one year, it, they could be a dangerous football team. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's – I think they're the one, one of the most interesting teams in the country, right? Because uh, you and I, we're both Luke Fickle fans, mm-hmm. right? So uh, I'm interested to see what it looks like for them. I, I feel confident they're going to play defense at a high level. That's kind of their thing. Mm-hmm. If that offense can be a little more explosive, uh, a little more creative, then – Watch out. Watch out for the Badgers. Moving on to the ACC. Who you got? I mean, the ACC. Seems like a two-horse race, right? Florida State and Clemson. I don't – this is a hard one for me because I think Florida State is a tad overrated, and I think Clemson – there's more questions there than maybe they people are throwing their way. Um, I'm going to take Clemson to win the ACC, but I don't feel great about it. We've got a small track record with Garrett Riley as offensive coordinator, and we've got even less of a track record with Klubnik at quarterback. I. And and maybe the the two can combine and and find some magic, like Garrett Rowley found last year with with Max Duggan, because Max Duggan had kind of been a guy that, you know, he's got a lot of upside, but we kind of know what we're going to get from him, and I found a magical year. If they can do that with Klubnik, then they're going to be a dangerous team who's got a chance in the college football playoff. But if Klubnik's not the guy, I in I just don't know who the who the stars are at the skill positions for Clemson. We know Florida State has them. I'm leaning Clemson only because of track record in history. I am leaning Clemson. I'm taking Clemson, and it's this simple. Florida State and Clemson are playing, and that game is in Clemson, South Carolina. That's it. That's why I'm taking them, right? They that game, they the Tigers get it at home. So 
it is interesting, right? They're coming off a down year where they uh, checks notes went eleven and three and won the ACC. It it feels very very similar to the run that OU had through the Big Twelve, right? With the six yep. straight, just like yep. oh wait, no, they were actually a pretty solid football team a year ago, and you know I I was heavily influenced when I was thinking about who I was going to pick. I was heavily influenced with how OU played Florida State in the bowl game. I don't think Florida State, I don't think they have as much depth as Clemson has. Like, I think some people have forgotten just how well Clemson has recruited over the last, you know, eight years and just how much talent is up and down that roster. Uh, I think the defense is going to be really good, right? They got a lot of playmakers on that defense, and I think Garrett Riley is, Going to get the most out of Cade Clubnick. Now we'll see, like you mentioned, who what playmakers emerge, but the run game's going to be good, right? I, I feel good about that, and I don't know. I just, I just trust Clemson more, and they, they get Florida State at home. That's yep. that's kind of where I'm at with it. I think maybe, maybe Florida State. Uh, I don't. I don't know necessarily if they have a higher ceiling. I, I guess if everything goes right and they stay healthy and everything comes together for Florida State with some of the star power that they have, they could be one of the best teams in college football. But I'm hesitant to believe that everything's going to come together the way that a lot of people are predicting it will. I'm with you. Yeah, but the, they play early. I think that game's like week four. So we'll we'll know who has the upper hand pretty early there in the ACC. All right, last one, the Pac-12, the last year of the Pac-12. And I think it is, I think it's going to be awesome. When I was going through this exercise, Ted, this was the, this was the conference where I felt, you know, I, I could legitimately see three or four different teams winning the thing. Now, I, I maybe had that thought about the Big 12 as well. Right, especially with what we saw from TCU a year ago. But yeah, I think I think the Pac-12 is the most intriguing conference in college football as we head into the season. Totally agree. Uh it's I mean, from the teams at the top, the the worst team in the Pac-12 is going to get more attention than most teams in college football this year. Right. And it's going to start right out of the gate with them. Um talking about Colorado for obvious reasons, but you've got, you got to like, I don't know if everything went right for guys that could be a Heisman trophy candidate, you know, as, as quarterback, um, Oregon's got one, Washington's got one. Southern Cal has one. Utah has one. Um, it's going to be a fun, fun, fun season, especially the final six weeks of that PAC 12 schedule is going to be crazy. Um, I'm taking Utah to win it. Ooh. Until someone else proves that they can stay consistent. I I think Oregon is Oregon is like the easy pick to win this and I think maybe the more logical pick, but I still have yet to see Oregon put it all together. Uh and they've done it in flashes. Can they put it all together for an entire season? Like Bo Nix had an incredible year last year. But without him, they become very beatable very quickly. And 
he runs the ball a ton and he's open to to injury pretty easily and I know you can say the same thing about Cam Rising at Utah but um they found a way to do it I I love Cam Rising I think he's a he's a college football quarterback man uh, that dude's awesome USC I think I think it's they're going to get a ton of praise in the first half of the year they're probably going to kill everyone on their on their schedule but their final 6 weeks of the season is brutal one after another and a couple of big ones on the road so give me utah utah and oregon in the in the championship game the the only reason i'm not picking utah is cam rising's knee like how does how does that acl injury affect the way that he plays because I think one of one of the reasons why we love the guy so much is all of a sudden he's not afraid at all to turn into a battering ram if he has to yep and and go get those tough yards that extend drives and ultimately results in points like how much hesitation is there because of the knee injury I and I it does not sound overly optimistic that he's going to be ready for the opener. Now I'm not betting against that guy playing against Florida. I mean, just with the type of guy that he is the way that he seems he's wired, but I am hesitant because of the knee situation. So I'm taking Oregon and I, I think Bo Nix is going to have a massive year. I think he's going to be smarter. I think he's going to protect himself a little more, right? He's got a great understanding of how important he is to that football team. Now the pieces, they've got they've got an interesting situation in offensive line, right? Blending some transfers. Like we'll see if those pieces all come together. They need to, or else they're just not going to be able to get it done. But Bucky Irving, I really like it. Running back, I think the offense is going to be good, even though they lost Dylan Ham, right? Taking the head job at Arizona State the real improvement I'm expecting to see is on the defensive side of the ball, right? Dan Lanning knows a lot about defense. Mm -hmm. They've got some talented players, right? They brought in some, some talented transfers. He took over a good roster too. And took over. Yeah. Really talented roster. And I think there's going to be a year two jump. Now they got some tough road trips, man, Washington and Utah, but they, they get USC at home. They get Oregon state at home. And I just, I believe in Oregon the most. I just, I, I'm just, it, it maybe it's the OU bias, right? That is not letting me pick USC, right? Cause they are the favorite when you look at betting lines, like USC is the favorite, but that, that schedule is brutal, man. Yeah. They shouldn't be the favorite. Um, you know, I, I, I get why they are, but they shouldn't. Um, yeah. I, I, went, I was just pulling up the schedule for Oregon. We're going to find out with them really quick. We're going to find out a couple of things because a lot of people think Texas Tech's going to be really good this year, and Oregon's going to Lubbock second week of the season. Like that's yeah. that's an interesting football game. I'm 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 excited about that one. Um, you know, I I think Oregon. I'm picking Utah to win it, but I think because of like balance on the roster, star power at quarterback. I think Oregon has the highest ceiling of any team in the Pac-12. Like if it comes together for them and they get that year two bounce, the defense starts to play the way you would expect a Dan Lanning defense to play. Oregon's got 
Oregon's got the most potential to be um, like a college football playoff team that could do some damage. Yeah. Now, let's make it clear. USC, they've got the best player in college football on their team. Right? They are – Lincoln Riley is one of the best play callers in all football. They're going to score a ton of points. But I don't trust the defense, right? And the schedule is brutal. Their bye comes in week four, September 16th. Then they got to play nine in a row, and you mentioned their last six. At Notre Dame, they host Utah. They go to Cal. They host Washington. They go to Oregon. And then they've got UCLA in the Coliseum to finish the season off. That dude, that's just a gauntlet, man. It's hard to it's hard to get through all of that, you know, unscathed or relatively unscathed. I just I think they're gonna have a better football team and a worse record. Yep. That's that's, that's where I've been for a long time with them. Exactly yeah. there. So now that Caleb Williams is gonna be fun to watch. He's gonna be incredible. He did he was fun to watch last year. And I think it's going to unfortunately be kind of the same thing for them this year where he's going to have to run around and make a bunch of like ridiculous things happen in order to win these tight games. And you can only live like that for so long. Um, You know, so I don't know. They've got one of the most exciting young players in in college football defensively. I can't wait to watch Tackett Curtis. Uh, playing Mike linebacker, that kid is going to be an incredible football player, and uh, looks like he's going to be a starter as a true freshman for them. So awesome! Yeah, Pac-12 is going to be fun. Man. Yep. All right, let's move on to our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics where they've won over 100 state championships, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org financial aid is available and attention business owners you need insurica in your life insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout oklahoma texas and the southwest insurica compares coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business insurica's goal is to help you avoid a loss in the first place If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? I got to go with Brock Purdy. You know... Not a name that I would have picked, especially this quickly, to to have the type of upside that he has in the NFL right now. I think situation has a whole hell of a lot to do with it, but the kid is in a really good spot right now. He's playing really good football. We still laugh a lot of the times because of 
some of the the most outlandish plays I've ever seen at quarterback are from Brock Purdy. But the dude's in a good spot. Kyle Shanahan is just throwing all kinds of praise his way. He's looked really solid in the preseason, had a great end of last year. Wish he would have been healthy for them whenever, um, you know, the, oh, the whole season was coming to a conclusion there. But a guy like I'll right here never would have said Brock Purdy's going to have the type of NFL career that he's has the start he's off to. I mean, he's he looks really good out there, looks comfortable, looks confident and looks totally capable. I I tell people all the time and I know some people may look at me when I when I talk about this stuff and they're like, "Ah, you're kind of just making excuses." Right? But dude, you got to have some luck. You got to have yeah. some luck. It's true. Like if you're Brock Purdy, you got to have some luck and some favorable timing. Lance getting hurt last year, like he never gets the opportunity if that doesn't happen. And now he is the unquestioned starting quarterback for a team that I believe can go win a Super Bowl, right? With the amount of talent they have on their roster. Great players. Great. I mean, the skill position tools that they have on that team are awesome. The defense, yep. the the offensive scheme fits what Purdy does well. I think the way that Shanahan operates some of the stuff, especially in the play action passing game, like it, it cleans some stuff up for Purdy, the way that he moves the launch point in that, in that offense, like it neutralizes the fact that he's not the tallest guy in the world quite a bit. Like it all fits together perfectly for him, but it never happens. If Lance doesn't go down the way that he did a year ago. Crazy, right? Need some luck, man. You need some time and credit to him for making the absolute most of it. Right. It's it's awesome. It's awesome to see. And I'm I am rooting like hell for the guy. Uh, speaking of fit, how's our guy Braden Willis doing out there? Have you heard? Because that is the perfect fit. He could not have gone to a better place. Yeah, I have not. I, I need to I need to do a better job of checking in with some of these guys that just got done, but I have not I haven't seen anything which it's not, not, not a position you're it's really going to show up or get talked about a whole lot, but I mean he he caught a pass. They were playing the what Raiders and he caught like an out route and looked good. Right. He's got number nine on. He's looking good, but I yeah, I haven't heard a ton about him. Uh, it'd be shocking to me if he doesn't make that team just with all the different stuff that he gives you, the way that he practices. That'd be that'd be an absolute shock to me. I, I think at the very, very least, like he ends up on the practice squad and he's a guy that they pull up and move back down throughout the season. Right. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. But yeah, we we're rooting for you, man. Go get it. Yeah. I love it. Perfect fit. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Well, I thought about going with all the scary injuries so far in NFL preseason games. I feel like every time I turn the TV on, there's a stretcher out there and both teams on a knee surrounding it. I hate whenever that happens in football, and it's happened way too much to start off this preseason in the NFL. I, I'm i with you. I, I mean, they – what they counted – they called that game off, right? Yeah. What was it? The fourth quarter. Yeah, I saw that they called they called it off, and yeah, that's 
You're right. There is nothing. You had one scarier. Thursday night too, you know, and it's soon as it happens, it's like, oh my gosh, here we go. And it's hard to, you know, you just, you wait for the news. You see the guys not moving out there on the field and it's just super scary. Hate it. Hate it when that happens. Yeah. I saw. So it was, what was this green Bay in new England? Yep. Is that the, the game that called off? But I guess the, the Patriots have decided they were supposed to do joint practices with the Titans, which they've done quite a few times with Rabel's connections to the to the Patriots. And I think they called those joint practices off as a result of that. So yeah. clearly we're thinking thinking about Isaiah Bolden and but it sounds like he got released from the hospital this morning. So it's good. Tremendous sign. Yep. But I ended up settling on myself as a loser because uh the messy conversation it's just it's too much fun it's not it's not a loser for mls it doesn't matter okay my my question on that was stupid okay it's it's incredible it's so fun they just played an absolute thriller uh against nashville to win the what is it the league cup um they went from Worst team in the league to winning the League Cup in like a matter of however many games since Messi's been there. He scores again. An unbelievable goal. Okay. It was awesome to see him get that left foot. Just a perfectly placed shot right there through traffic. That was awesome. And they go to PKs. Their goalie gets, you know, that goes all the way to what the 11th round goalie makes the final shot and then stuffs the nashville keeper it was awesome it's just an awesome game right just exciting soccer how about that red exciting so st- soccer is he too what a stupid statement for me what what a dumb dumb you are yeah i'm the loser i did see there was an onion article that said i think the headline was like mls parents Asked to see Messi's birth certificate or something like that. It was, oh, it had me laughing. Uh, but yeah, he is. It, it's cool to see him. There was a small part of me. It was like, hey, he's going to cash a check and kind of mail it in. Dude, he is. I mean, he's been incredible. Yeah. And your point about like, his teammates, like, it's all of a sudden everyone on that roster has totally changed and like I knew him before I'm not I'm not saying that but just listening to like the articles and the statements that they're saying and and I it's it's really cool to see yeah there is there's before messy and after messy in those <laughs> yes. guys lives right they're di- different human beings now absolutely all right let's finish up with my winner and loser but first John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. Family owned and operated. They got nine full service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program. And here's how it works. Buy a new or used car from them. All you have to do is get all of the manufacturer-recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. And if something goes wrong with the components of your engine, transmission, drive, axle, or transfer unit, they will cover the repair costs. It's a great deal. 
You can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. Come on, people, make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Full schedule is out. I have studied it. Some really exciting games on there, Ted. Cool to see the Thunder get way more national TV games this season. You've got 13 in total, right? So people are going to get more exposed to this team, which I'm excited about. The home opener, you get the defending champs in the Denver Nuggets. So just – and – we talked a little bit about the NBA Cup, right? The in the in season tournament in the Thunder's group. You've got the Warriors, the Kings, the Spurs, and the Timberwolves. So, like an exciting in season tournament group. I'm starting to get excited for the NBA season. Ted should be a really really fun year with this Thunder team. So so much excitement. I can't wait. I agree. It's funny how the NBA, like when they put those schedules together, it's for the national games. It's like. uh Nope, you suck. All the teams that suck are going to be over here, and the teams that we think are going to be good, national TV. That's a good way to gauge kind of what the league thinks is going to happen. Yeah, no doubt. But my winner of the weekend, any quarterback that wears number 50 in an NFL game is a legend. <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater, and he was, he was 5 of 11 for 34 yards in the Lions preseason game against the Jags. I don't care. The man is a legend in the eyes of linemen everywhere. There will never be a cooler quarterback than Teddy Two Gloves going out there rocking number 50 in a preseason game. Like, that is, that's 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 a quarterback's peak in my eyes. It, it was amazing. I feel like he's honoring former linemen, current linemen, linemen of the future. I feel like he was one of us in that game. I, I loved it, man. It, some people may say, no, 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 that's stolen valor. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> I think he's spreading lineman awareness to the masses. It was, it was so funny watching him play QB with 50 on. It was awesome. It's like, it's like we're in 1950 all over again. Right. Um, yeah. Very, especially I, if you were to flip it over there and see a quarterback wearing number 50 and he's got two gloves on, it's like, is is that a linebacker? Is this a trick play? Like, what's happening here at quarterback? It's it's so funny. I love it. It was awesome. And I know you've seen some quarterbacks, like, in training camp practices have – right. I think it was Mac Jones a few years back with the Patriots. Right. Like, he, yeah. he was wearing 50 or 50. But, like, but to go out in a preseason game – and it's not like Teddy Bridgewater isn't established the guy. The guy has been in the league for forever now. And for him to be – for him to be cool enough to just go out there and be like, yeah, I'm going to rock 50. Let's do it. I I don't know if there's any meaning behind it. I didn't dive that deep into it. All I saw was I'm sitting on my couch. There's a quarterback wearing number 50. That's awesome. Yeah. I, hey, I. there's no no better way to get back in the, in the news cycle, no matter kind of where you are as a player, than to wear number 50 at quarterback. Like, that's going to catch some attention. So, yeah. I. I love it. Yeah. He must be an awesome teammate, right? Has to be. Has to be. 
All right, but for my loser of the weekend, thought about going with England, mm. right? Spain knocks them off in the Women's World Cup final. England was a favorite going into the thing, but Spain ends up winning their first Women's World Cup. How about that? Look at Spain go. You go, Spain. Good job. Yep, that's big time. It's uh, it's getting pretty competitive at the top of women's soccer right now. Yeah. You know, and U.S. is going to have to figure some things out. No doubt about it. But my loser of the weekend, there's there's two versions of this story in my head. But Jimmy Graham is my loser of the weekend. I've got a I've got a serious opinion on the story. I've got a less serious opinion on the story. So here's what happened. Jimmy Graham is he's back on the Saints, right? Signed a one year deal with him. The Saints are out in L.A. They're doing joint practices with the Chargers. They play a preseason game tonight on Sunday night. Somehow, some way, Jimmy Graham got detained by police on Friday night because he wandered into traffic and was taken to the hospital as a result for evaluation. So my serious opinion on the matter. That's terrifying, man. Saints team doctors believe he had a seizure. He became disoriented, and that's how he ended up where he was, right, wandering in traffic. But if that's how it went down, that's extremely scary. I'm so glad he's, he's okay. Like the fact that, you know, he didn't get hit by a car or anything like that. I it just, it's a blessing, right? Cause that, that, that could have been really, really bad. Yes. The could other version, yeah. my less serious opinion. And I feel like you can say this now because he's all right. And maybe we get more details about this story, but they are out in California. Did my man, did my man overdo it a little bit and ended up wandering in traffic somehow? I yes. I don't know, but if that is actually what happened, if we may never know, if that is actually what happened, that's hilarious. Like, could you imagine if that's the way it went down, going back into that locker room and everyone looking at you being like, You got that high, dude? Holy like it'd be oh, it'd be so funny. Yeah. I I feel like this is if there's ever an Occam's razor situation, this is it. Okay. What's more likely that and here's the thing here's this is like the key thing that I don't know. If Jimmy Graham is prone to to seizures, if he's had those before in the past. Um, but I think it's far more likely that a guy, whenever the team happens to have their downtime, whenever they're um, allowed to be away from the hotel, team hotel and everything, that a guy is uh, messed up, um, becomes disoriented because of, uh, because of that and is detained by police, far more likely than, you know, the seizure explanation. I could be wrong on that, but I feel like whenever everyone heard that Jimmy Grant was detained by police, I where their mind went instantly is typically the correct answer. Okay? That's my view of it. I, I, I think the good people... I'm going to choose to believe that the good people of the New Orleans Saints are telling the truth here. He did have some type of seizure episode. But the funniest version of this story is that he got so high, wandered in traffic. Now, thank God he's all right. And that now everyone in that locker room can make fun of him for it. 
That's the best version of the story for me. I don't know if that's the that's how the uh the events went down here, right? But the, well, the, it, it would bring a, a team closer together if that is how it did just because you talk about a hilarious story for everyone to bond over. That's oh my gosh. Well, unfortunately, well, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on who you talk to, uh, this happened on TMZ's home turf. So, um, badge cam incoming from TMZ in five, four, three. We'll all know soon enough, uh, exactly the state that Jimmy Graham was in. I'm sure of it. Yeah. Uh, Somehow I, I think TMZ we'll see some video at some acquired point in time. the uh the the dash cam or the police camera the body cam of uh of the whole situation here pretty quickly. It's amazing how they get their hands on that. It is, isn't it? It is. On that note, episode three hundred and forty six is in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop on Wednesday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have an awesome start to your week. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more